many of you are golfers or you have someone in your house who likes to play golf? I, I think about that because I, golf, I, I go golfing like maybe once a year, okay? So it used to be a little bit more until I discovered some other things I like to do, right? <laughs> but I think in retirement, maybe I'll play more often. But here's the thing is that the thing about golf is that you can't just go out on the f- golf course, pick up a stick, pick up the club, and boom, right away, right away you're just going to you know, have a wonderful round and, and hit all the great shots and stuff like that. It, it really is a humbling and often frustrating experience trying to move that little white ball down the field. And, and, uh, and, and then what's really frustrating about it is in the course of, you play nine holes, in the course of that you might hit three great shots that just tantalize you. And keep you coming back for more the next time, you know. And so it's not the kind of thing, like many things in life, whether it's music or other athletics or whether it's rock climbing or whatever it is that you, you like to do, these things in life, you can't just show up and expect to succeed immediately, boom, um, the very first time you try or in that moment uh, of attempting. So you, there, there's something else that, that deeper, I think, in golf or in other things, Really, the secret to success is really probably what happens on the driving range or on the putting green more so than on the course itself. And if that's true of many endeavors in life, which I think it is, then there's a, there's a lesson there, there's an analogy there to the Christian life. That, that there's something about the Christian life that also is, depends much more on what happens, not in the moment of crisis or the moment of trial, but in the preparation, the lifestyle preparation that lies ahead of it. So you can see, if you, I don't know if you can see that, that small print on the screen up, up, up there, but it says that the tagline for this is called uh, The Ancient Secret of Life to the Full. Because Jesus promised a full life, and yet for us as Christians, a lot of times that, that rich and satisfying life that he promised can seem pretty elusive, just like a consistent golf game can seem uh, to golfers at times. And so there's areas of our life where we feel like, man, I'm not experiencing fullness in that part of my life. I I need a breakthrough in this or that area of my life. I need something to to really, really change. And so that's why I want to encourage you as we start this series to pay attention because we're talking about certain, what we're calling spiritual disciplines. These are practices that have proven themselves over 2,000 years of Christian history, we're talking about some of these ancient practices that that are going to make a difference in our lives. So it's easy to think, especially in our culture today, that, that if you just show up to church on Sunday for an hour or so, or even if you're in a small group, that that's really going to bring breakthrough in your life. But the thing is that those are good. Those are great things that we encourage and, and, and recommend those things. But if that's the sum total of your connection, your relationship with Jesus is just coming to a meeting here here there, then then really it's kind of a reach to think that if that's all that's happening in your life, that you're going to experience all of the fullness that Jesus has to offer to us. And so we want to see you break through in some of the areas of your life. You're struggling maybe you're with, with a, a sinful habit. You're struggling with an, an emotional response that you wish was different, anxiety or, or fear, whatever it might be, that 
you need to learn about these spiritual disciplines. It's going to help you to learn about these spiritual disciplines. So today I'm going to give you an introduction to the topic. And then the next four weeks what we're going to do is we're going to look at four particular of, of the many spiritual disciplines that Christians have done over the centuries. We're going to look at four of them and dig in uh, more particularly on those. Let's start with a, a definition. So to begin with, our definition is this. A spiritual discipline is a purposeful habit that helps us grow closer to Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? A purposeful habit, that, that's what it is, but, but what its purpose is, is to help us grow closer to Jesus. So most of us, if you've been around church at all, you probably are familiar with the two most common spiritual disciplines that Christians talk about the most would be prayer and uh, reading or studying your Bible. Those two. And so really what I'm saying is that if prayer is a purposeful habit in your life, not just you know, in that moment of crisis like, God help me, you know, if it's a purposeful habit in your life, then the result of that is it's, you're going to find yourself becoming more and more like Jesus and closer to Jesus. And so same thing, with, if Bible reading is a purposeful habit in your life, the, the effect of that is going to be a growing connection, a growing relationship with Jesus. And we're going to look at some other disciplines as well. But, that, but it's like this. So I like to grow tomatoes. Every summer I'll grow some tomatoes and, and um, <clears throat> water them every day and fertilize. And get, kind of, I'm kind of involved in them every, almost every day. Okay, because they need water every day. And, and so when I go out there, I look at the tomatoes from Tuesday to Wednesday, they look very, they look the same. They don't look like they've grown, you know. I go out there and on Thursday, and it looks the same as it did on Wednesday, which looked the same as it did on Tuesday. But if I go away for a few days, and then you come back and you say, oh, I see it's different, it's grown. And then at the end of the three or four months of the summer, you see, wow, they're fat and juicy and red and, and delicious, and you've got this harvest that comes that started with just a little yellow flower, and man, bam, there's this big tomato at the end of the, at the time. And so that's a lot like the way the spiritual disciplines work. Sometimes in a Christian life, we want to see, boom, immediate results. But by plugging into these spiritual disciplines, it's a process of incremental growth that you might not even see the difference from one day to the next or one week to the next. But over time, you see the fruit that happens in your life. And in fact, Jesus himself used an analogy very much like this to describe what we're talking about. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. He's talking to his followers here. He says, look, let me explain our relationship. I'm the vine. You guys, you guys are like branches. Okay, he says, if you remain in me, in other words, if you stay connected to me, then you're going to see something happen in your life. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to become more and more like me. You're going you're gonna to see transformation happen in your life. So, and you've seen what happens if you have ever grown anything, what happens if a branch gets broken off? It withers up and dies. But as long as it stays connected to the vine, then there's this result that happens. And the result is, as we're going to see, we're going to explore, the result is becoming more and more like Jesus as we stay connected with him. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes you see that couples who've been married for a long time did you notice they kind of start to look like each other? 
And some of you are like, you've been married a long time, you're going like, hmm, you know, is that true? You can see it in some people. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why that happens. But, but it, does seem to, it does seem to happen. And <clears throat> Pastor Brian told me his theory about that, okay? He, his theory is that, it, 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 he says, because he, he says, my wife dresses me, right? He says, he says, over 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 birthdays and Christmases, he says, my wife has finally swapped out my entire wardrobe, and, and now I, I dress just the way she wants me to. So I don't know if that's the real reason why or not, but here's what's going on. It's like, you begin to be like each other. And the, and the analogy of that to these spiritual disciplines is that, you know, in my relationship with Jesus, the more I share my life with him and he's sharing his life with me over time and we're connected over time, then, then I start to think like Jesus. I start to talk like Jesus might. I start to, to look like him in different aspects in different areas of my life. And so that's really the purpose of what these spiritual disciplines are. Now, so here's the thing. Think about what fruit is in the natural world, okay? If, if your vine is a tomato, then the fruit that it's going to produce is tomatoes, right? If, the, if, it's a, if you get, like, growing a grapevine, then what's going to come out on the branches, at the end of the branches, is going to be grapes. It's not going to be something else, right? Well, if the vine is Jesus then what's going to come out through the branches? It's going to be defined by the nature of the vine. So I'm not saying that we're ever going to become divine ourselves or become deities like Jesus is, but I'm saying that in connection with him over time, we start more and more to reflect his character and his his views of things, his way of looking at things, his values. We start to treat people more and more like Jesus would treat people. We start to care about the things that matter more and more to him as we remain in connection with him. Now, I want you to compare what John 15 says about fruit with another passage that also talks about fruit. It's in Galatians chapter 5. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the Holy Spirit's at work in our life. God's at work in our life. These are some of the things that come out. These are these is the fruit. So you look at that and you go, man, I, I could use more love. I could use more patience in my life. I could certainly use more peace right now. I could use, I wish I had more self-control. Where does that come from? How do we get there? Well, what we're going to say in this series is that those that fruit happens through but our connection with Jesus, and that connection with Jesus happens through these spiritual disciplines. That's the whole point of the series. We're going to see this fruit take shape in our lives through these, increasingly through these spiritual disciplines over time. Now, let me, let me expose you to some of them. We've talked about prayer and Bible study just real briefly. We'll explore those more in the series that's coming up. Uh, but let me, uh, let me give you some other examples of some of the different things. There's a partial listing. There, there can be many things that if they're an, an intentional habit, a purposeful habit in our life, that could 
help us grow closer and maintain a connection with Jesus, right? There are many things that could qualify for that. Here's a few of them. We mentioned Bible study and prayer. Connection, that means connecting with God's people. And by the way, that happens more than just through coming to church on Sunday or even being in a small group. It's who am I hanging out with and we're sharing life together with God's people. Giving is a spiritual discipline because the definition, it's a purposeful habit. When you give to God's work, you may not want to do that, but as a purposeful habit, you become more like Jesus because he is ultimately generous, right? And so uh, mentoring is a spiritual discipline. Fasting, fasting is when you do without something that's good for the sake of developing your relationship with God, a temporary uh, temporarily. So meditation, that does not like, that's not like practiced in Asian religions, but it's the idea of mulling over and thinking through over and over what God's Word says and letting it penetrate into my heart and my thoughts. Solitude, getting away from people, getting away from stimulus, um, just in order to, to be with Jesus. Journaling, a lot of people practice that. Slowing, this is an interesting one in our busy culture today, right? Slowing is the idea that I'm going to be intentional about just slowing down. I'm not going to be busting around the fast lane and weaving in and out of cars just to get somewhere faster because we realize that hurry in our life has a way of undermining our peace, our joy, and can undermine our relationship with Jesus. So frugality is a spiritual discipline where I intentionally step out of my comfort zone a little bit in order to live with less. Um, so that those things that I want don't start to rule my life. Okay, then abstinence, silence, secrecy. Secrecy is interesting. It's where, where I'm just not going to tell people about my needs. I'm just not going to tell people about my achievements. And I'm going to trust God with, with what I need and trust God with my reputation. Celebration is a great one because um, now I grew up in a family that didn't celebrate very much. And so I have to, this is a discipline, it has to be an intentional, purposeful thing for me sometimes. But in the Old Testament, God told his people to celebrate, and he set up a whole calendar for them of times that they were going to be intentional about celebrating, because God wanted them to experience his joy. And so, ultimately, all of the disciplines lead to, this, lead to that, that's why I put it last, and so I don't know how, if you have a mindset where you're thinking about these spiritual disciplines. If you're thinking like, oh, that means I have to live like a monk and I'm going to be, I'm going to uh, just have a face that looks like, you know, I'm in pain and I'm going to be sour and I'm going to just be super serious all the time and it's going to be unpleasant and it's like, it's like I have to put myself in pain. That, that, that's not what we're talking about. The spiritual disciplines are about joy. They're about experiencing a full life because what, what? They're, they're all about connecting with Jesus. And as we connect with Jesus, he's the source of that rich and satisfying life that he promises to us. And so I hope that, as, that in this series you'll find your spirit just kind of welling up with a desire to say, man, yes, I want to be more connected with Jesus. Yes, I need a breakthrough in my life that God can do it through in, my, in me in this way. And that hopefully you'll say, man, this is something I really want to explore and, and try some, some of these things and, and pay attention to this, this uh, series on spiritual discipline. So that's number one, just kind of a definition. The second thing I want to, I want to kind of give you a warning a little bit. Because when you start to engage spiritual disciplines, you'll find that if you, come, if you come at it with the wrong approach, then it's really easy to, to fall into one of several pitfalls. 
Okay, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit so that, so that you have the right approach and that we as a, as a group together have the right approach uh, to this topic. And so, and so what I want to share with you next is that spiritual disciplines are not about earning God's favor. Our intention is not to get something from God, but to experience the fullness of life that comes from Jesus. So here's pitfall number one, is that if you approach spiritual disciplines the wrong way, it can just lead to spiritual pride. It can make you arrogant. What I mean by that is, you know, you say, well, you look around and say, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really winning when it comes to prayer. I'm, I'm knocking the ball out of the park when it comes to Bible study, Bible reading. I'm fasting more than anybody else I know is fasting. And, and whatever it is, you've got the, this scorecard that you've made up through the things you're doing. And it's easy to start comparing yourself to other people. It's like it's living as if every one of us had our own little baseball card, you know, and our statistics are on the back. And you go, look, and man, my statistics are, look how they compare to your statistics. And I'm an all-star, and I'm an MVP. But Jesus really warned about that because there is no scorecard. It's not about comparing ourselves to others. If you start comparing yourself to other people, you're going to fall into a pit here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't do any of these things to be seen by others. He says it's all about, it's only about one thing. It's only about your relationship with God. Sometimes we have to be careful to say, man, this is, you get puffed up because I'm, I'm, um, I think I'm doing great uh, on these areas of life. The second kind of pitfall or danger that we can fall into is we can look at spiritual disciplines as a way to manipulate God to get something from Him. Now, that's true in a lot of things in, in life, and it's, it's easy for religious people, people of faith, to fall into that sort of transactional kind of relationship with God where you say, man... God, I'm, I'm really serious. I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm praying all this. I'm, I, I took this retreat. I've been fasting. And I'm just to show you how serious I am. And I'm doing all this for you. And now what are you going to do for me? You see, God, man, I did all the things that I'm supposed to do. And now you owe me. And so it's easy to fall into that. But I want you to understand that, that it's about a relationship. It's not a contract. Okay, it's about just getting to know him better. It's not about saying, God, I'm going to do these things and check these boxes, and if I keep this list, then you have to do something for me. Ever think that way? And then there's a third pitfall that it's easy to fall into, especially if you've been, if you like grew up in church. Regardless, you know, if you grew up in church in some way, it's easy to say, man, these things are just a chore. These things are just a drudge, and they feel like a burden. Because you might have grown up in an environment where you were just told you got to do this more, you got to pray more, pray more, read your Bible more, do this more, love more, care, whatever, give more, 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 more. And so it begins, instead of feeling like a gracious invitation from God, it starts to feel like an obligation from God. And see, that's not the spirit of the disciplines at all. That's not what we're trying to, to share with you in this series at all. Yeah, they're disciplines. They're called disciplines because they do require some effort, right? They do require some focus and some intentionality. But Jesus invites us into these practices because he wants relationship with us. He wants relationship with you and he wants to bless you and, and he wants you to experience the good things that come out of spending time with him and connecting with and being connected with him. 
And so it's not about just a burden. It's not about just checking off a list. It's not about our pride or anything. It's just about a relationship with Him. You get a good example of this in uh, chapter 3 of Philippians where the Apostle Paul is reflecting about um, his own stuff. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, Paul, who wrote this, he was a Pharisee, and that was a sect of Judaism that, that means that if Paul is a Pharisee, that means he was super disciplined, dedicated, religious zealot. And he practiced all these things. In an early part of chapter 3, he talks about his whole spiritual pedigree and, and his practices and his obedience to God were all part of building that, that resume, building that, that pedigree. But when he came to faith in Jesus... We see here the the transformation that takes place in his heart, in his perspective on things. Paul still practiced these spiritual disciplines. We know that from his other writings in the New Testament. But his perspective is really different. He said, I once thought it was really important to check off all the boxes and to keep the whole law and to just fulfill all the requirements. He said, now I realize that that's useless in comparison to this higher value this higher pursuit, simply of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. And so for me, this, is, this defines it, the whole approach to the disciplines. He says, you know, they're only valuable in the, in the sense that they lead me into relationship with Jesus. And yeah, we're talking about a breakthrough. You can get a, get a breakthrough through practicing these things in your life. If you need a breakthrough over anxiety or over, over some habit or some uh, sinful practice in your life, that's, that's how it's going to come. But even that is not the end all. Even that's not the goal. The goal ultimately, what's really valuable about these things is they lead us into the presence of Jesus and they connect us with him. Jesus himself is the prize. And if, if we get... Side benefits from that, that's great. But Jesus himself is the prize, is the reason why we do these things. Now let me connect the dots a little bit with one final idea here. I try to pull together some things that, that we've been talking about. And the third thing I want to share with you is that the secret to breakthrough is a lifestyle of preparation, not a momentary effort. Spiritual disciplines help us retrain our automatic responses to everyday life. So, on New Year's Day, you know, two days ago, S- Sally and I had a little crisis in our home. Uh, we had, uh, for some reason, we, we haven't figured out why, but for some reason, the um, main water shutoff valve to our house started to leak. Okay, and it, it might have happened Monday, the best we can tell, but we didn't notice it till Friday. And when we did, like, like part of the basement was just like a swamp. And uh, I don't know why we didn't notice it before then, but the thing is like, oh my gosh. And it happened to be the part of the basement that had the most, the heaviest and most uh, complicated furniture on top of it. And it had the bookshelves, the giant bookshelves filled with books. And so it was like all this super heavy lifting and un, uh, uh, taking things apart and as of just to even get to the water so we could clean it up. And we spent most of New Year's Day, it seemed like, actually the afternoon and evening New Year's Day, cleaning up this mess. Now, it, it ruined our day, all right, you can imagine. 
But beyond, beyond that, what happened was, if you can imagine yourself in that situation, lying on your back in a puddle of water with your you know, screwdriver above your head, unscrewing, taking apart furniture, you can imagine that what happened on Friday is it drew out of me a lot of my natural responses to circumstances that are not characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, that, are not, that don't reflect the character and life of Jesus. And so it drew out of me things like selfishness and grumpiness and, and um, you know, blaming other people and uh, being in a foul mood that nobody would want to be around and things like that. And where did that come from? It came from my natural, my natural habitual responses to life, Okay. And so if you've been in situations like you probably know what your natural responses are, whether it's a crisis that challenges your character or whether it's a temptation that, that challenges your willpower or it's just something that, that a situation you're in, you're going to see this natural thing flow out. And you can probably identify what those are for you, right? So what situation? How do I face that situation without turning into a complete uh, angry uh, grump? Well, the answer is we might think that the answer is a frontal attack. We might think the answer to that is to take it on in the immediate moment and say, man, I'm just going to do better this time. I'm going to just change my response this time. I'm not going to be so upset. I'm not going to be so angry. I'm not going to be so anxious. I'm not going to be so fearful, whatever it might be. But what we're saying, the whole principle behind the spiritual disciplines is that that frontal approach that in the moment, just choosing to do better is probably not going to work. It's probably not going to work. And so, you know, I don't want you to think that, like, so here's a temptation. Like you're on your, like young people, you're on your phone, you're tempted to click over into something porno, some pornography. And you know you don't want to, ultimately. You know you'll be ashamed if you do. And yet there's this powerful tug, this powerful temptation. And so you're going to... You're going to try harder, say, no, I'm going to ignore that. No, I'm going to ignore that. And eventually you do it. Or it might be that emotional response where you get impatient, you get angry. And what, what is it that makes you not be angry in that moment? And, and usually we're not even aware enough to say, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, and to, and to dig in our heels against it. Well, you know, that's just, that's just not enough. So, so what we're saying when we talk about spiritual disciplines, and our point here is the breakthrough doesn't happen in that momentary effort. It happens in a lifestyle of preparation. Because here's what happens. When I'm spending time with Jesus, when I'm doing these disciplines, whichever they might be, then I'm exposing myself to his life. His life is flowing into my life, and he begins to do a rewiring of the basic circuitry of my soul, of my emotions, of my responses. He begins to do a, a re-landscaping of my basic mental framework. Because it's like this, you know, so I, I think of it like, like in the natural world, if you have a, a slope or if you have a place where water keeps flowing, like in my house, 
at the bottom of the rain gutter where it comes out. It comes out on the sidewalk, and there's a tiny, there's kind of a little depression that's been cut out of the sidewalk by the flowing of the water. The water's always going to flow there again and again, and it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And so in our thought life, in our emotional life, that's what happens sometimes. We start to get these furrows, and it becomes so easy and natural and habitual for our mind and our heart to just go right there where it's gone before, and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. Well, how do we change the landscape so the water goes somewhere else? How do we rewire this, this, this underlying circuitry of our heart and soul? It's by connecting with Jesus through the spiritual disciplines. It's a strategy, you could say a strategy of indirection that's going to give us the victory. Now, there's a great analogy of that in a book by uh, Dallas Willard called The Spirit of the Disciplines, and he uses this great illustration, so I'm going to share it with you. He says this, this quote, he says, the star performer himself did not achieve his excellence by trying to behave in a certain way only during the game. Instead, he chose an overall life of preparation of mind and body to provide a foundation for his conscious efforts during the game. So have you ever, this applies not just to athletes, but like to a, a piano virtuoso or, or someone who's really good at what they do in whatever the field it might be, but have you ever been like watching a game and you see this guy, one of the players gets super hot and he's just, just hitting three-pointer after three-pointer, one over and over and over again, and you're so motivated, you go out and play horse after the game, you know, and with your friends and you're going like, I'm going to try to emulate the three-point shot, boom, and, and I'm clanking it off the rim or hitting air balls or whatever, so I can't, I can't duplicate that just in the moment. Well, that, that professional athlete didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to hit 10 three-pointers in a row today in the game. No, he's had a lifestyle of preparation that prepared him for that moment, the moment that the pressure is on and the game is on the line and he jacks up that shot and it goes in. Why? Because he had prepared himself over a lifetime for that moment of pressure, that moment of, of truth. Sally and I were watching um, a piano concert the other day because there's a, there's a really gifted, internationally known piano player who lives in, in Ogden, in our town, and he actually lives with somebody that we know. And so we were watching him perform. It's like, oh my gosh, the things that he could do on a piano were so amazing. But I'm sure that he doesn't not just walk into the concert hall one day and say, okay, uh, here's a new piece. I'm just going to sit down and master it. No, it's the fruit of a lifestyle of preparation. And so that's what we're talking about in the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are how we prepare for that moment of truth, that moment when our faith is tested, that moment when our, con when our character is tested. We do make a conscious effort, but that conscious effort depends on the preparation that we've done in the time we spent with Jesus apart from that moment of truth. And so here's how another way the Bible talks about that. Sorry. Um, can we get back into the, yeah, thank you. Um, it's in 1 Timothy 4. He says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, we all know that physical training is good. Medical science has showed us that. Our culture uh, reinforces that. But he's saying there's another kind of training. Training for godliness is even better than physical training. Maybe some of you set out with a uh, New Year's resolution to, to do better with physical training. 
But don't neglect training for godliness. How do we train for godliness? By practicing the spiritual disciplines. By connecting with Jesus, we get more and more like him. And it has benefits, it says, in this life and in the life to come. Now, when I think of training, you know, I I like to ride my bicycle. I've told you some stories about that. And, And there's a difference between just having a casual ride on a beautiful Sunday afternoon and, and, you know, we ride down and and, uh, get lunch or whatever. There's a difference between that and training. When I'm training for an event, the difference is, is number one, is um, regularity. Number two is intentionality. Number three is purpose. I have a purpose. Now, I have to admit that when I'm training for a, for a bike event, my purpose is to not be last, right? It's like to not, be, to not be embarrassed or to be destroyed by this event, right? My purpose of being intentional and regular about spiritual disciplines is to connect with Jesus, right? So that's the opportunity. That's what we're going to be talking about. And the, and the byproduct of that is that then... That's how he's going to work a breakthrough in our life. That's the point of this whole series. And so as we go forward, I just really encourage you to come back every week, to be sure to be here. We're going to take the next four weeks, we're going to look at four specific things off that long list, and I'm not going to tell you what they are because you have to come back next week to find out what, what comes next. But we pick the four that we think are the most, going to have the most impact uh, on us as a church, on us you as individuals. And so I encourage you to come back. And, and you know what, I, I really, really encourage you not just to come for information. Not just to come and take notes and say, wow, this is great information. I'm glad I learned this today. No, I, I want us to come with an attitude of saying, we're going to try some of these things and we're going to see what God will do. We're going to give God, God, I just want to be transformed. God, I just want a breakthrough in my life. More than anything, God, I want to connect with Jesus. And so I want to invite you to come back each week with us in this series to explore what these spiritual disciplines are all about. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy to us, that you provided a way for us to know you, that you, that you accept us and you invite us into relationship with you unconditionally, whether we pray or whether we, we practice disciplines or not, that you love us and, you, and that we can know you. But, but God, the richness and fullness that you offer comes as we connect with the vine and the fruit begins to grow in our lives and and we begin to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. So Father, help us. You know, we are pretty regular about a lot of things that don't matter much. And so we pray, Father, that in this series you'll, you'll give us a nudge in a new direction. You'll give us some encouragement. You'll teach us and train us for some things that matter more that matter ultimately in our lives. We want to see you do something that we've never seen before. We need a breakthrough, God. We, we want to know Jesus like we've never known him before. And so our hearts are open and prepared for you to speak to us in this coming month about these disciplines, these breakthrough disciplines, these ancient practices that can change our life today. And we pray it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.